Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, Mark here, and welcome to the fourth episode in the Grow Your Site mini-series. Today is the one everyone wants to hear about, link building. As an internet marketer, you can never have enough link building in your life. We've got a value-packed episode today, and the show notes for today and all the other episodes this week are going to be available at authorityhacker.com forward slash grow. Just before we get started, though, I want to let you guys know about our free training webinar we're running this Sunday. It's going to show you the five steps to start and scale your own fleet of highly profitable authority sites. It's filling up very, very fast. So if you want to join us, be sure to sign up at authorityhacker.com forward slash training. It's going to be running, as I said, this Sunday. That's the 14th of May at 8 p.m. London, 3 p.m. New York. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, then be sure to sign up for this webinar as there really will be a lot more link building goodies inside that webinar too. You have to register if you want to join this. So please do go and do that now so that we can send you your login details. Go to authorityhacker.com forward slash training to sign up now. And here's today's podcast. All right. So today we are talking about a topic Nobody is interested in, but we're going to talk about it anyway, and that's scaling white hat link building. And we're going to talk about that. Do I sense a bit of sarcasm in your voice there? (laughs) Not at all. Okay, that was sarcasm. But anyway, we're going to talk about that. And the thing is, like, a lot of the tactics that we're going to talk about is Mark is running them on a daily basis for us. And, you know, it's like I haven't touched a lot of it for a while actually at least uh, at the scale at which we're doing it so mark you're going to be talking mostly today so what is the introduction you want to talk, you want to give to people about like scaling your whitehead link building all right so one of the questions get someone asked like give me a new way of link building a new tactic i need more ways of building links and my reply is always the same you don't need more ways you just need to make your current way or ways of building links more effective you need to scale them I mean, the reason that people focus on the traditional white hat link building methods like guest posting or skyscraper technique um, is because they work and they work really well. So you don't need to like reinvent the wheel here. You just need to actually do it and do it at scale. Okay. Yeah, I think it. I agree. It's like it, there will not be an unlimited number of ways to get links. Like you could, a lot of the new ways that you see out there, they're just like re-edited versions of things that edited, existed before. But I've never like talked to someone and it was like, did you? I was like, did you run out of guest post opportunities? And like, I've never heard someone be able yeah, to say yes. I mean, properly. like the people who ask these questions are like, <clears throat> I'm like, oh, okay, how many links did you build in the last week? And they're like, none. Or one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then, like, well, you know, that's probably your, your your issue, you know. It's going to be a lot easier to go from one to ten than it is from, you know, one to inventing a brand new technique that no one's done before and is so cool and is much more effective because it probably doesn't exist. If you didn't max out what exists anyway, you don't need it. So what are the tactics we use mostly? As I said before, skyscraper and guest posting. So guest posting has been around for a while now. Is basically you find a prospect whom you would like a link from, 
preferably one that maybe already has guest posts on their site or has a notice saying that they accept them. And then you just email them and say, hey, I would like to guest post. And you write a, a brand new post for them and they will post that on their site and link back to you. Pretty simple. I think it was like the first white hat link building technique they kind of gained popularity after penguin yeah yeah we used to do and we had a blog post about that actually uh, that you should go check uh slash blog it should be the latest post yeah and basically it uh i mean it works really well the other one is the skyscraper technique and there's many many variations of it the premise behind Skyscraper is you produce some linkable content. So a really good blog post about a certain topic, usually more informational content, like what is X. And then you email people who link to similar pieces of content, which your competitors have written. And then you ask those people for a link, basically. And there's many, many variations of it, but that's the kind of premise. To be honest, at the moment, we, we do both, but at the moment, I much prefer Skyscraper because it's so much cheaper. With guest posting, you always have to pay for at least one blog post. Which, per link, yeah. Yeah, per link, which is going to be, I mean, it depends on how long it's like 30, 40 bucks, something like that. Plus, there's obviously the cost of, you know, outreaching and acquiring the link and negotiating and, and all that. With Skyscraper, you just produce one piece of content, which is the Skyscraper content now it's usually a bit more expensive to produce those because they're usually longer and a bit more kind of special but then yeah but even if it costs a hundred dollars and you get 20 links the cost per link is really low you know exactly the marginal cost uh, is is much lower with with skyscraper and skyscraper doesn't always work it's like some industries uh, it doesn't work so good health which is which health ambitions in it works very very well and yeah that's basically the difference well, when do you use guest posting and when do you use skyscraper? I mean, I don't really know what the right the right answer for this is. There's not really a uh, because you can use them both. They're not like mutually exclusive. I mean, for example, a lot of the time when we're doing skyscraper and someone says no, we'll actually then pitch them a guest post instead, and they'll say yes. Yeah. So they can kind of overlap in a way like that. But I, I don't know. It tends to be just when as part of our general content strategy there will be like 20 percent of the content will be skyscraper content for link building so we will do skyscraper link building built off of that like as soon as they the content's ready for guest posting you can do it start stop it whenever you want depending on your writer's capacity it can kind of block them a lot if you have like a lot of guest posts it can stop you actually producing content but it also you have the flexibility of just doing it whatever you want really so uh yeah, but we use guest post for links to commercial pages right versus skyscraper for info pages yeah yeah for sure i mean skyscraper only works for info pages i mean you can probably squeeze a few links here and there for commercial pages but you're on it's not gonna not gonna work very well guest posting i mean this in this day and age guest posting generally only works for info content as well and i'd say like maybe 80 90 percent of the time but still you know 10 percent to uh, your money pages that's still pretty good and it's certainly higher than than you'll get with with skyscraper so yeah cool so how do people do that how do people scale all right so i'm just gonna i'm gonna talk through like the start to finish process of link building and as I go through it, I'm going to say like how we've scaled it and give you guys all our sort of inside info on that. 
So for skyscraper, we'll actually cover them both, but primarily I'm going to focus on skyscraper technique at the moment. And by the way, all the links and tools and the show notes for this episode, you can find at authorityhacker.com forward slash grow because I'll probably be mentioning quite a few quite a few things as I go through this. We so, should also mention that all the templates are in Authority Hacker Pro. That will be open soon. Yeah, yeah. And I'll talk about templates and how to use them effectively in, uh, in, in one of the okay. sections as well. So with Skyscraper, the first part of the process is to produce linkable content. What do we mean by linkable content? Well, as we just discussed, it's it's kind of more informational content that's delivering value, telling people information without selling someone, without trying to sell them something. This would not be a review. It would not be uh, basically anything linking to Amazon. It probably wouldn't be. But it, it would be, uh, you know, for health ambition, what are the benefits, uh, health benefits of omega-3? Like, it's it's a general, like, easygoing, I don't quite know how to describe it here. Just, Just answering your question, that. basically. Yeah. yeah, essentially, essentially, it's delivering value. So one of the ways to do that is to, or one, or a good way to start is to look at what your competitors have done and look at what your piece of content your competitors have done, which gets links. So if people are linking to your competitors' health benefits of omega-3, then if you produce a better version of that, then chances are you're going to be able to get links as well. So all you need to then really do is just imitate, but kind of one up your competitor's content in that sense. I'm not saying copy their content by any means. I'm saying take the general idea or the keyword and then produce your own piece of content about that topic as well. You can Um, also tackle it from a different angle. You know, it's, you don't have to copy the exact angle on, on like you don't yeah, just the, the co- angle and the writing and the structure that's not what you're trying to imitate it's literally just writing a blog post about the same topic i probably shouldn't have used the word imitate there so then yeah all you need to then do is is really make a better version of it so that would tend to be something which is more up to date would quote you know more recent developments in your industry or in the case of health like some new research paper or study perhaps you can also make it longer so longer pieces of content tend to be easier to get links they're they're seen as i mean they're just better articles because there's more information in there and they're also seen as just being more higher value and also something that's important to pay attention to though not as as much as the previous is uh is looks so design content design so you probably wouldn't want like just a big wall of text on a default wordpress theme but you know having images here and there featured images call out boxes this is when like thrive content builder can actually come in quite quite handy for for this kind of stuff so i mean we talked about a couple days ago in the podcast about scaling your your content team and hiring writers so i mean any good writer is going to be able to if you give them a an article from your competitors and you say hey we want to write a a longer article which is more up to date about this topic they're going to be able to produce something which is much better just be careful of the fluff also because when you ask people a longer version of something they tend to just rewrite the same stuff with like a lot of fluffing so if you don't have writers you trust 100 percent. be careful with that yeah yeah for sure and uh one really good tip that we do when we're producing skyscraper content is we actually don't put any ads so on health ambition we run like media.net and what's the other one 
Odd sense uh, Yeah, we're changing them out quite a lot. But yeah, basically, there are no ads on our skyscraper content for the first, I think it's 30 days or 45 days. And that basically means that when we produce the content, we do the outreach for it, for the link building. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But someone who's thinking maybe of linking to our content goes on the, the page and sees ads versus sees no, no ads, then the no ads one is obviously going to get more links just because people, for some reason, don't like linking to ad heavy or even sometimes if there's any ads, they won't link to it. They don't like um, people making content. money. Yeah, basically. And the same thing goes for affiliate links. Pop-ups yeah. also. Pop-ups is another one. Yeah, we kill us all of our, uh, our pop-ups for, for 30 days, I think it is, on this content we're outreaching. So that's the base. Like, you, you kind of have to do that with the skyscraper. So let's get on to the actual kind of link building part. We have the content. We have something that's decent to work with. I would say it doesn't need to be totally epic. Like it just needs to be a bit better, like 20% better, 20% longer, something like that. It doesn't need to, you don't need to be spending tens of thousands of dollars on fancy infographics and stuff like that. Not that infographics cost that much, but you know what I mean? All right. So the next stage is going to be like finding prospects to outreach to. So these are the people who you want to ask for a link from. So the easiest way to do this is basically to find people who are already linking to your competitor's content or to some kind of content in the, in the same niche or about the same topic and then ask those people for a link as well or instead so the best way to do that is just to start off with a keyword. I mean, you can literally just go in, in, go in in Google and find like the top 10 results for whatever the keyword is, and then look at who's linking to those pages. Now, in order to find out who's linking to them, we use Ahrefs, ahrefs.com, really, really good tool. We actually reviewed most of these like keyword research type tools this was consistently the best one. Although there are others out there which can, can also do the job as Ahrefs is quite I expensive. mean, in that case for links, it's the best, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then what you want to do is basically put these results from the Google search results in to Ahrefs and you find everyone who's linking to them. And then with that, I mean, Ahrefs is really good because it has this like filter settings where you can, you know, only select WordPress sites, English, and you can play around with the various rating you're not getting like the lowest of low links as well and then you you can export that and that's hey that's your prospect list those are the people who you need to get in touch with it's really quite easy now to do that once or twice or you know even for the one page of results 10 results is pretty easy like it's not going to take you very very long it's literally just doing a search, putting the URLs that you find there into Ahrefs, hitting export, and then copy-pasting 10 sheets into one. Easy, right? Well, what happens when you want to scale that? When you want to scale that, that quickly becomes a really, really, really inefficient process. So th there are several things going on there that we need to improve. The first is actually getting more results, or getting more competitors, if you will, to look for. So in order to do that, rather than just typing in one simple keyword, you want to get a number of keywords. There are various keywords, multiplier tools out there. I don't know if that's the technical definition, but like ubersuggest.io is a good one, Scrapebox. What are some of the others, Gail? There's one called Keyword Cheater. I love the name, so <laughs> I'm just going to put it in there. 
That's yeah, an that's awesome. Good. Is that a free tool? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Uber suggests free as well. Scrapebox is is a paid tool. Uber suggests which is valid by Neil Patel actually. All right, okay. So yeah, and Scrapebox itself has generates keywords, right? Yeah, I mean, Scrapebox is awesome. If you really want to scale yeah. like crazy, we need to make a blog post is about what it. you need. But it can be a little bit overwhelming initially, as there's lots of weird functions on it. So yeah, but once you have multiple keywords, you then, I mean, typically we get something like, uh, I don't know, 15 to 30 keywords. I mean, it really depends on the article. That's about the average. Then we want to get lots of results for those keywords. So we don't just want 10 results or one page of Google. We want a hundred or uh, 10 pages of Google or hundred results per keyword. So if we're having 15 or if we're having 30 keywords times a hundred results, that's 3000 competitor there's going to be a lot of duplicates probably though yeah scrapebox is really good because it can you can deduplicate those automatically but you can also do that with any kind of spreadsheet excel whatever so once you have you know your 3000 competitors keywords i mean that's actually quite a lot you chance urls not q i mean competitor urls yeah you're probably going to have a lot less because of duplicates but let's say you have a thousand of them that's going to take a long time if you have to manually search for each one in Ahrefs and then click the export button, export them one by one, and then copy paste all those sheets into into one. That's not going to be very efficient. Unfortunately, Ahrefs doesn't have a, a way to actually export all of those in, in one. It'd be nice if you could just click a button. I spoke to Tim from Ahrefs and he actually said they're thinking of building a export builder at some point in the future. So Maybe if you're listening to this in the in the future, that will already exist. But for now, you have to actually put them in manually. But there's a, a really cool way of speeding that up. If you notice the Ahrefs URLs where you export them all have the same structure. So what you can do is you can find do it once manually and then just copy that URL into Excel. And then uh, you can build a little concatenation formula spreadsheet, which will start with the Ahrefs URL and then the competitor URL, uh, like merge it all into one. And then you can put all, all that list in URL opener and just open them all at once and download them all. Still takes a little bit of time, but it saves, it's very, very, very fast. Just lost all the Excel manual. haters right now. Yeah. <laughs> so then you have a thousand different Excel sheets. You want to merge them all into one. So fortunately with these exports, they all have the same like header rows or column column titles is that the right right phrase so we use a there's a plugin or a little tool called merge sheets i'll link to it in the show notes as well there is another way perrin was telling me about this yesterday it's in one of our age pro videos i don't know if he made it up or you you made it up gail about merging all these into one in the skyscraper blueprint Probably I made it up, but I don't have it in mind right now. Okay. I only I only Fine. recorded over three hundred videos. If you're if you're so. in the AH Pro if you're in AH Pro, then uh, check out the skyscraper blueprint for the freeway. I'll link to the merge sheets plugin in the show notes of this podcast as well. Okay, so then we we managed to pull all one thousand sheets of data, which bearing in mind some of these can have you know several hundred links per sheet into so we pull it all into one and we have one master list of like tens of thousands of potential link partners great right well there's just one thing you have to do first like filter out anything which is very like not suitable so that would be like youtube or amazon 
it's very niche dependent like certain scientific sites were, are not going to like link out to you or your people aren't going to change the links to them because they tend to be quoting sources or other but you know really big sites as well right like uh, the huffington post probably not gonna work for skyscraper right yeah i mean it depends but it can be quite niche dependent but yeah there's a bit of filtering going that uh, needs to go on there but basically you end up with a very 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 big list and now most people who do link building they're talking about sending you know 50 emails a week or 100 emails a week or something like that you know, when you, when you have this this amount of data and it's that easy to acquire it, you can start sending uh, hundreds or even thousands of emails per day. We don't do thousands per day yet, although I guess over multiple sites if you add them up. But yeah, it's very easy to to quickly scale this. But in order to actually send those those emails out or to to pro, um, get in touch with those people, we need to find their email addresses, right? It's, it's no good just having their, their domain or their website. So for each prospect, the traditional way of doing this is to just manually go through them all and one by one try and find their email addresses. So you go to their, their web page, you look at the contact page, you look at the About Us page, see if there's an email address there, maybe check their privacy page. Or actually a really good tip is if you go on their Facebook page, a lot of people in the about section of the company Facebook page have their email address there. Even people that usually hide it somewhere else, like on their on their main page. So that's a good one if you are doing it manually. But I wouldn't recommend it because although you can get something like sixty to seventy percent of results just by doing this, it takes ages. We timed it once and it varied, but it was around like one, two, three minutes approximately per contact. If you have a thousand contacts, uh, that's like a full week of work almost to get through. And if anyone's ever done that manually, I definitely would not recommend it. It, it sucks. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even if you're outsourcing that, you know, for someone really, really, really cheap, it's still going to be really expensive to do it just because of the pure number of hours involved in doing that. Um, I mean, even Perrin was doing it with Mechanical Talk, right? And still he was at like 10 cents per email and like it's going to be hard to make it cheaper. Exactly. Just because of the manual, I mean, people cost like a bare minimum, you know. But there's a better way I've found to actually scale this and that's to use a service called hunter.io. There are a few similar services out there uh, like findthat.email is one of them and I forget the name of the other. But I found Hunter to be the best for this part of the process. Basically, what Hunter does is it has some kind of crawl bot or some tool, I don't quite know how it works, which goes and like looks for email addresses on people's websites. So it's, it's all publicly available data. And then it out, so you, you input a list of domains and it has a bulk upload feature so you can upload a CSV or just copy paste a, a long list in. So you upload the list of domains and it will output a list of emails that it can find for those domains. It's not quite as effective as doing it yourself. It'll only get around 50%, give or take, of the, the results. But still, you know, 50% of 10,000 in a couple of minutes is a lot better than, you know, spending a week to get 60 to 70% of, of 1,000, you know? Now, it is a paid tool. They have different pricing plans. I think they have a free plan, which does up to 250. So you can 150, actually. Right, okay. 
but it's it's a great tool and it's so so easy to justify the cost of this when you consider how much time it saves now and how much one, links are was yeah yeah exactly and the one downside though of of using hunter is that the output file sometimes it actually finds multiple emails for a single domain it can give you up to 10 potential emails email addresses for one domain and you have to make a choice of which one to to select so but doing that manually i mean it takes like a few seconds per domain that that happens it only happens doesn't happen for all of them so you're still saving like an incredible amount of time i actually went one step further and I talked about this in the blog post last week. Uh, we actually built an Excel macro, which makes that selection automatically. So we even managed to automate that part of it as well. But yeah, Hunter is awesome. As I said, around 50% effective. It doesn't matter because you're something like, I don't know, I just made this number up, 5,000% more efficient. But really, if anyone's tried to do link prospecting or uh, finding emails rather at scale, you'll know how painful this can be. And this is a really, really good solution to it. Something which we also do is any emails that Hunter can't find, we actually store them in a separate database and we work through those manually as well. So we are actually hitting those that can't find as well. Okay. Anything you want to add there, Gil? Not really. I mean, how do we find these emails manually? Like, is it, would you just have someone that does it? Or? Yeah, so just go through the... It's kind of like the when you have nothing else to do, do this task. Mm. It's literally just go on their homepage, go on their About Us page, go on their contact page, go on their privacy policy page, try and find the emails that way. Try and go to their Facebook page to see if it's on there, that kind of thing. Um, okay. So, Yeah. But it's not very efficient, I mean, when you, when you compare it to the, the automated route. But now that we have like a big list of emails, we need to actually get in touch with these people. So, I mean, how do we do that? I mean, traditionally, you would fire up Gmail and send them a message, right? Well, I mean, most people probably listening to this and know that there's better solutions for that. I think the first big or the first popular email outreach tool that came along was Buzzstream. And this has been around for actually quite some time. Historically, it was the the go-to tool. Guys like Moz and Distilled were, were recommending them quite a lot. We actually use them ourselves. We use Buzzstream ourselves when we had our digital marketing agency. And yeah. it was a decent-ish tool back then, but it's, it takes a lot of time. And it really doesn't sort of save you all that. It doesn't really make things that much quicker. Yeah. I mean, it's good for like one-on-one outreach because you have a CRM built-in. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're going to just like pick one site and outreach, but if you want to like do this large-scale outreach, it's not the ideal tool. Yeah. So, I mean, there's kind of like two mentalities when it comes to outreach. There's the sniper rifle method and there's the spray and pray method. The sniper rifle method is, is what you would probably use Buzzstream for. It's kind of like very very targeted you take your time you know you study the person you want the link from you really put some effort into like building that initial relationship send them like fully customized emails basically just try and become mates with them and it has a pretty high success rate but i mean it's not uncommon to hear people saying oh i got a 50 percent success rate on my outreach 
But it's good in niches where there's not a lot of opportunities, I would say. Yeah, or if you're going for really, really high-end links from, you know, bigger bigger sites yeah. with, like, editorial teams and who who, who just aren't going to link to Reddit. Which is probably what we're going to re-add to our formula, like, as this becomes, like, cruise speed, you know? For sure, for sure. But initially, I don't know because we haven't really done this too much, like, about the implications of scaling it, but obviously... If you're spending a lot of time doing this, then it's not going to scale quite as well. Though there is also an argument to say that, you know, like the best links are also like exponentially more powerful. So, you know, your mileage may vary on this one. But the opposite of that is kind of the spray and pray approach where you just send a standard, send the same email out to every single person and just like hope that they link to you, pray that they link to you. Now, if anyone's, I mean, anyone who runs a website that has a contact form or your email address anywhere on the site probably gets like a dozen or so of these a day, usually from some like Indian SEO company offering to buy like links for five bucks or something like that, which is uh, a, a bit odd. I'm not sure if actually anyone takes them up on that, but there you go. Now, the best option is actually neither of these. It's something... I would say a little bit closer to spray and pray, but a bit more refined. So you, you're able to kind of get the scaling advantages of, of like a more automated approach, but without looking like a cheap spabber and like actually contacting the right people and having like a good message to, to deliver to them. So I'm not quite sure when it came out. I'm uh, talking about GMAS here. I think it was two years ago, 2015. Maybe one and a half. Like it's not that old. Yeah, so GMAS came out, and more recently, a competitor which we now use called Mailshake, and they did an AppSumo pro- promo uh, a couple months ago for like a lifetime account. And it's, it's very, very good, very impressed with Mailshake so far. But these tools are basically like mail merge, but for email. Mail merge is when you have a sort of a standard letter which you're sending to someone, but there's like unique fields which you're inputting into it. So everyone gets a, a, a unique email, customized email, but it's much easier to kind of scale, basically. So remember, like when we were talking about having a list of, you know, a thousand prospects or, or, or something like that, if you're having to go through and customize an email to each individual one of them, I mean, it's just going to take you forever to do that. So the benefit of using GMAS or Mailshake is you can just upload your CSV with your prospects list and then create a few like merge fields. So let's say you're, the data you're gathering on people would be like their name, obviously their email address. It might be you know what their URL is and you might then input like what your topic is. So if you're talking about, again, health benefits of omega-3, that would be a field in your spreadsheet. And when you upload that, you can then pull that unique field into into the email and it matches everything up it's um, like email marketing basically like it's yeah. like a web or anything like that you can just have information about people you can collect it manually or you can even scrape it and then yep. you just insert it to personalize essentially which to be frank is what a lot of people doing quote-unquote personals outreach to you know like it's not different i would say yeah, it's the the border between those two is like it's almost non-existent in some cases. But th- these tools, one other thing I want to mention is they have like features which are really useful, like a uh, suppression lists. So they'll they'll stop you from emailing the same person twice, for example. And Mailshake has also sort of cool reporting and and stuff like that in there, scheduling and 
you can sort of drip feed things over time and also actually follow up follow up emails that's one thing that really works well so if someone doesn't respond to your first one we actually automatically send two more and that actually generates quite a lot quite a lot of responses so definitely recommend these tools i'll put links to them in the the show notes authorityhacker.com slash grow for those now to actually send the email you obviously need something to say there are plenty of templates out there which uh people have written i mean i think we've put up some on a blog post or two yeah what i would say though is that any template which any email template which is publicly available or even if it's like behind a paywall, like in Authority Hacker Pro, we have all our templates in the template library for our outreach stuff. And a lot of people use them, but some people don't bother customizing them. So there's a huge chunk of people sending the exact same template out. And while it may work for a little while, the problem is that when everyone's sending the same template, recipients get confused because they actually they think that you're the same person that emailed before because you you have word for word you have the same thing so it's quite common these days for us to if we're using the default template for us to get a response back like oh i already linked to you but they didn't actually link to us it was one of our competitors and they they're just getting confused because we're using the same template so that's why you shouldn't just use the the default templates always come yeah it's also writing it a little bit at least it's like 10 minutes of work yeah. by all uh, by all means use rh pro templates for inspiration and as like a main structure but customize them you'll get much better results i promise you yep okay so i mean that's basically how you uh, you send the emails out now up until this point anything to add on on that bit Gil? Not really. One thing, yeah, on sending the emails is like a lot of people try to do that with free Gmail accounts. Mm-hmm. And Gmail will tend to limit you quite drastically because, you know, they're free to register and, you know, they, they try to prevent from spamming with that. Yeah. So the, the one trick for that is to have a Google Apps account. Costs $5 a month and the limits are much, much, much higher. So if you intend to do this kind of outreach, Fairly seriously, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you get Google Apps and you email from your own domain. Yeah, I think it's uh, called plus, Google Suite now. They oh, yeah, their Google Suite, yeah. I mean, you know, MailShake is already very cheap. But I think it's like $9 a month or something. Yep. So, so you know, like, Bustroom was much more expensive. So if you're going to go with MailShake, like, you might as well just pay Google Suite for, like, 5 bucks on top. Plus, it uh, looks much like, better if, if someone's getting an email from markethealthambition.com yeah. rather than... Gail, that's how market rather than market gmail.com you know um, okay. it's much more trustworthy there because it feels more like a like companies have domain.com email addresses yeah so overall like you know that's the one thing i would say about deliverability it's not a big deal it doesn't cost a lot of money but it's going to change a lot and i heard people getting like banned from feed gmail etc for doing that so be careful yeah it happens just like the few hundred i think you get banned from gmail but you can do I haven't done this, but you, you can definitely do, I think it's 2,500 emails per day is the Google suite limit, but there's other variations of it. Uh, like it's not just how many emails you're sending, there's other factors as well, but let's move on anyway. So up until this point, all of the work in finding their email addresses and emailing them is quite quantitative. So it's quite like a sort of data-driven task, set of tasks that you have to perform here. Now, after the email sent and we're dealing with responses, it can get quite qualitative. So it's a different sort of set of skills that you need at this point. And 
the danger is that you spend all this time and effort sending out lots of emails, doing a great job, you know, really scaling that effectively, but you're not handling your follow-up well. This is like having a great marketing campaign, but having a terrible sales team or, you know, people, customer service team dealing with people who are buying. So it's something which you, you have to, to consider a lot. Just a few examples of the types of responses you're likely to get from doing this when you email people. I mean, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful responses uh, we've had. In fact, it would probably make quite a funny blog post to, uh, to, we do, should a definitely do, to do a list of those. But like a lot of people, they don't actually understand what you mean. So when you're asking them for a link, they're like, what's a link? Or how do I link to you? Something basic like that. I don't quite understand how people are able to set up websites, but don't know what a link is. But it, it happens. It happens quite frequently, actually. Another common thing is they won't like something in your article. So maybe you've talked about a certain topic which they disagree with and they, they want you to remove that. Or we even had a, an article once about I think it was something to do with weight loss. And one of the images in there, I mean, honestly, like the, the lady was like, looked kind of like an average weight person, but the <laughs> potential link partner, she was saying like, hey, this person's too skinny. It gives unrealistic expectations of weight loss. So yeah, they asked us to adjust the image and we did. But uh, I mean, these are the types of strange responses which you get. And they're not really strange because when you do this at scale, you, you realize that most of the issues probably fall into one of about 20 kind of categories. And this is actually key to scaling this part effectively. So first of all, it's important to realize you, you can't template all your responses for this. You, you have to have someone smart dealing with your these responses and actually, you know, a lot of the time customizing them. But, and this is one of the reasons why I always recommend doing this yourself before outsourcing it. So handling the responses yourself before outsourcing it is because you'll get a much better feel for what these kind of categories of responses are. And the simple thing to do is just figure out what the natural groupings for responses are and then template those. So we actually have a template which we, we actually use the canned responses feature of Gmail or Google Suite to load these in. If someone says that they don't understand or they don't understand how to link to us, I mean, it happens quite a lot. You'd be surprised. But um, yeah. we just go into the, uh, the canned response and select the canned response for that. And maybe there's like a little bit to edit if we have to input their URL or something. But that process saves a lot of time. So I definitely recommend building these templates for, for your responses and actually updating them and editing them as, as you go and uh, as things develop. The other really important thing to do is to hire someone good. Now, that's a bit nonsensical advice because you should always be hiring <laughs> and people. And put good content on your site also. <laughs> yeah, let's be very generic here. But to get specific, like what do I mean by that? I've found that someone, there's two types of people. There's kind of like data people and there's people people. So when I'm looking to hire someone to, to do the negotiation, the follow-up, handling email responses for outreach, for link building, I'm always looking for a people person. So it tends to be people who have good customer service experience. They're just good at chatting to people and even via email building kind of relationships with people. And they, they kind of get that whole person-to-person -person interaction side of things. One thing that we've switched to lately as well, we used to hire Filipino people to, to do this. 
who were like just through Upwork, who were relatively inexpensive. We've actually started hiring native English speakers now, just because we found that well, a few things actually. We found that bad English, or it's quite obvious in in emails when when someone's not fluent in English. So we found that in those cases when that was quite transparent. That we were getting a lot, a lot fewer links. So it was definitely like an efficiency problem there. And despite the fact that native English person costs a lot more than a Filipino, we found it actually to be more cost effective, like on a per link basis, because of this. And I, I also think that motivation makes a huge difference here. Um, it's very easy just to, you know, read off the customer service spiel, and you know, tick the box like, okay, I'm doing my job. But if you have someone who really actually genuinely cares and wants to do a good job, that extra kind of 10%, 20% that they put into it makes all the difference in terms of getting links, especially the more difficult to get links, which also tend to be the more uh, effective ones for your, your SEO. I mean, um, hire a native English speaker, I would say. One other thing I would say in, in, in this is a lot of the times someone will say no to your your request so you ask for a link and they say no sorry not interested we're not gonna we're not gonna do that we tried in the past to actually talk them around say well you know it has this benefits it'll benefit your readers blah 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 but it was always impossible to do that i think you know maybe once or twice we were able to turn a no into a yes a hard no that is but what we started doing now instead is rather than trying to turn the no into a yes is we actually just sidestep and we offer them something else. So if we're doing skyscraper link building, instead of turning that no into a yes, we then say, oh, well, how about we do a guest post instead? And that actually has something like 40 to 60% success rate. So this is a really, really cool trick that, that, that works, works very well. And also the thing with guest posting is you can target your links a little bit better. So as we said, you, you can't always point them to your money pages, but sometimes you can. And that actually kind of leads me on to my, my final point, which is about capitalizing on success. A lot of people, they, they get the link and then they just forget all about it. We actually maintain a database of all the links which we've, we've acquired through this process. And it allows us to do all sorts of cool stuff with that with later. So if we're starting another site in a similar niche, then we can use that data. But also something which we've been doing recently is going back to people who gave us a link and who were fairly positive about the the whole experience. You know, they liked our content, they were friendly in their emails. Going back to them and saying, hey, how about, or can we have another link, or can we guest post on your site? For a lot of the people who are super, super into you, super friendly in that situation, you can actually get them to link to your money pages quite easily. And so that's something we've been doing recently, and it's it's had really been quite successful for us and it really takes almost no effort you've already established the relationship with them you already have the contact info it's just simply asking so yeah that's pretty much all i have to say about uh yeah. link building I, at this point i mean we're using the people i think it's a little bit like the traffic snowball we talked about yesterday yeah it's like principle. the people the people always care about the cold traffic but don't you know focus on getting people to return when they're the highest value is the same for the links right when you have a list, and we call that the army of sharers in mm-hmm. Atari Hacker Pro, when you have these people, you literally just have a list of people that you can go to and ask for a link to whatever important page you need help um, to rank for. You know, it's like 
It's basically like you, they're friends and they're happy to help you out if you, you know, obviously like it's it's good uh, form to like share their content when they need to, etc. But if they're good sites, it's, it should be no problem. Yeah, I think, the, I think the reason a lot of people don't do this is they think that, okay, there's diminishing returns. So getting one link's great, getting second link, you know, it's not going to be twice as effective from, from the same site. But if it's pointing to one, one of your money pages, it's totally worth doing. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. Like, links to page are very important, even if they're from, you know, the same domain. So, especially when it takes so little effort to get them, right? Yeah. yeah. The cost is almost zero. You don't need to look for the email. You don't need to do any of that. All you have to do is re-ask the person you've been emailing before. So, you can have one of these pages that we talked about the other day when, you know, it makes $700 a day. And you're like, oh, my God, I need to build more links to maintain my rankings and not drop like we did. Uh, or grow you know and and like these are the cases where you just like turn back to that list and you're like hey yeah can you guys link to that page and if you get like a dozen people say yes then it's massive you know mm-hmm. i guess that's basically it it was probably the least hyped ever link building podcast ever done but i hope you guys picked up some cool tips i think a lot of the stuff we talked about you don't read about this elsewhere mostly because we actually come up with that stuff and we are going to talk to you about most of that we come up with tomorrow where we'll talk about selling info- informational products as a way to growing the monetization on your site and increase the revenue. So thanks for listening and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the show today. Just before we finish up, I wanted to remind everyone of the free live training webinar we're running for you this Sunday, that's Sunday 14th of May. We're going to be showing you a simple five-step formula to start and scale your own fleet of highly profitable authority sites. So if you like today's podcast, you will get a ton of value out of this free live training webinar. Um, To sign up, head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash training. That's authorityhacker.com forward slash training. And we hope to see you there on Sunday.